2: NJS-based blog talk radio show, New Jersey's Education Forum, a show dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the education issues important to us involved in public education in New Jersey. A conversation that brings state leaders uh, to you, and I hope that you all feel free to join in the conversation. My name is Ray Penny, and I will be your host this afternoon. A couple of ground rules. First, we will not be using the chat room feature of the show today. Uh, And if you are interested in calling in, a few things you should know. To call in, you dial 1-347-989-8904, and then you press uh, 1 when you are ready to make a comment or ask a question. Uh, I do not have a switchboard operator today, so my switchboard does not tell me the name of the caller, just your phone number. So I will identify you by your last four digits of your phone number, and your area code. Uh the other thing I will do is ask you to do is if you are listening on the phone line, uh turn your computer down because there's a delay and it's somewhat confusing. Uh this is a special edition because uh our speaker couldn't be with us last Friday, but last Thursday the Senate Budget and Appropriations Committee released Bill S eighteen seventy two, better known as Opportunity Scholarship Scholarship Act, from committee with the eight to five vote. The eight to five uh, was bipartisan. Some Democrats and Republicans supported it, and the five negative votes were all Democrats. Uh, the Opportunity Scholarship Act is a voucher-like program that awards scholarships to either private or public schools uh, to eligible low-income students attending a failing school district or failing school. Uh, I should note that this program is a pilot program, but it is a rather large pilot program. It should also be noted that the assembly version of the bill will be discussed this Thursday, February 3rd, in the Assembly Commerce and Economic Development Committee, and that bill is A-2810. Uh, today's guest, last uh, Friday we had Gordon McGinnis, former uh, Assistant Commissioner of Education and State Center, who opposed the Opportunity Scholarship Act, and he brought up some interesting points that I'll probably bring up today. uh, <coughs> uh Today we have with us Chris Emigault, Director of Legislative Affairs for the New Jersey Department of Education, to join us. Uh, uh, though Chris is relatively new to the, the Department of Education, he, he's not new to education. He served uh, as a industry. He served with the NJBIA, New Jersey Business and Industry, as a Director of Education and Workforce Development Policy. And early in his career, something I did not know, uh, he was a teacher as part of the Teach for American program in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Chris, welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Ray. I, I look forward to chatting with you and, and um, hopefully talking to some of uh, the school board association's members.
2: Okay. Um, I should note ahead of time that uh, NJSBA, uh has a, is opposing the Opportunity Scholarship Act, but I will set aside uh, our feelings so that Chris can uh, bring out his points for uh,
1: supporting the bill in the administration's point of view. Uh, well, Chris, thank you, Ray. Actually, I, I just wanted to say, I, School Boards Association um, for the members that are listening to this is, um, while the NJDOE and some of the education reformers don't always agree with everything that School Boards Association believes, we know that it is a um, contributor to uh, the education dialogue in the state and have many positive things to add. And there will be things that we agree on and we'll work together on, and there will be things that we can agree to disagree on and be professionals. And, and that's why we're always happy to um, talk to you and even talk to you about things that we might not see eye-to-eye eye on. Okay,
2: great. Um, thanks for that endorsement. <laughs> Which brings us to my uh, first question. Before we even get into the the program and the details of the program, uh, why do we need this uh, bill?
1: I think we need, I mean, you could say why we need OSA, but also why we need school choice in general, and I'll hit both of those points. Um, Number one, just choice in general. Um, There's something I like to say about the urgency of school choice, uh, the urgency of choice. Actually, Cory Booker, uh, mayor of Newark, last night at a um, also, an OSA event called it the first a fierce urgency of now um, is a phrase that he's used quite a bit, and I certainly can't take credit for that because he's a much better and polished speaker than I am. But um, the governor and the DOE and the education reform movement, we certainly do not believe that OSA um, or school choice is a silver bullet and it's going to solve everything immediately if OSA gets signed. But what it will do is. We know there are a lot of programs that have been going on for years that have helped and improved some urban schools in New Jersey, but we also know that there are still some schools that are failing. Uh, They're failing the students that are in them, they're failing their communities, they're failing the taxpayers, they're failing the businesses that need those workers, and despite all of the federal Title I ESEA, No Child Left Behind help, besides all of the good things that New Jersey has done from Republican to Democratic governors, there's still schools that are struggling and not providing the opportunities that their students need. So while we're working on improving public schools, because no one is bailing on the public school system that we have, but while we're doing that, there's nothing that we could do that will get those students out of a bad, troubled education quicker and more effectively than choice. Um The hope is that some of the educator effectiveness and tenure reforms and accountability reforms, standards, curricula reforms that that the DOE has been and will be working on um, will help all students, urban, suburban, rural, um, rich, poor. But while those things are working, we know none of those things are going to change education tomorrow. Choice tomorrow, if choice happens a student will be able to leave a failing school and find a school that's a better fit for them and their family. And we need more of those options, and those options are interdistrict public school choice. Those options are charter schools. Those options are Bo-Tech schools. Those options are um, our scholarships in the form of the Opportunity Scholarship Act that could help a student find a better opportunity.
2: Um, this program, how would it give us a basic overall as concisely as you can as to how you see it working for the Department of Ed, because actually the Department of Ed is not the complete oversee of this uh, program.
1: The Department but of Ed actually is, yeah, you are 100% right. We're not necessarily going to be overseeing all aspects of this. The Department of Ed will probably have um, two primary roles with this. Is One, we will be um, overseeing what schools are eligible for accepting these scholarship students. And the legislature has um, amended the bill to make sure that the expression that we've heard is fly-by-night schools. We don't want to see any schools popping up just to make money off of these kids with no intention of actually giving them a better education. Because that would not help the students, that would not help the public schools, that would not help any of the people that are stuck in these failing schools right now. Um, we want to see quality options. And and the governor said this over and over again, it's quality charter schools, quality choice. Um, We don't just believe in choice for choice sake. Um, So we will oversee this to make sure these schools meet some criteria that have been established in the bill, um, that they have uh, history, that they have a curriculum, that they are prepared to educate the students they're going to accept. Um, And number two is the students that are right now um, supposed to be eligible for the Opportunity Scholarship Act if the bill becomes law, are the ones in failing schools within the identified school districts. And so the identified, I'm not going to read you a list, but so Newark is one of the identified school districts. Not every school in Newark is a failing school. If you meet um, certain criteria um, to be judged a failing school, and I actually think the criteria are, it's not easy to become a failing school. Um, those schools that are determined to be failing, uh, the DOE will be looking at our test scores and will be getting that list to um, the scholarship organizations to sort of say, well, these are the kids that are eligible now uh, for these scholarships.
2: Uh, I'm going to go over some of the points that Gordon McGinnis uh, brought up, which I'm sure you've heard a lot of them already. But uh, one of them was the cost program uh, that uh, our understanding is that – corporations if they choose will use this tax credit towards these scholarships instead the, of into the general fund so that his issue was that it was a too expensive a project uh at this time because it was taking money out of the general fund. Um so how would you answer that question?
1: I would say that one, there is no expense to this program, um to the state. The state of New Jersey that the I guess the opponents of the bill have said this will cost the state of New Jersey a billion dollars, and they've turned it as a billion-dollar program. And that's that's really to scare people because the billion-dollar idea is a is, um, is scary figure, especially when we know that in our economy we have had to make difficult cuts and we have had to do some things to many worthy programs that I don't think Governor Christie would have chosen to do if the economy was in a different place. Um, but it's it's scaring people without actually having the facts. The program is actually revenue neutral to the state. It is done that way um, through a couple different ways. But number one is the state aid that goes to the districts where the kids leave, it will be done sort of in a per-pupil way um, to make sure that if a scholarship student leaves a district, then that district will lose on a per-pupil basis um, that scholarship, the cost of that scholarship. And so if there's going to be a, um, let's say it's a $9,000 scholarship to go to a school, that $9,000 scholarship will be taken out of the state aid that would have gone to the district that normally would accept them. That $9,000 isn't all of the money that... Um, let's just say Newark, for an example, um, gets from the state to educate their students. So in a way, on a per-pupil basis, if students start leaving Newark and taking these scholarships, Newark on a per-pupil basis will actually be spending more money per pupil after OSA students leave than they do now. And the way this happens is, let's say Newark is getting – um, just for argument's sake, we'll say twenty grand to keep it a round number. They're getting $20,000 per student, and only $9,000 leaves because that's the cost of one of the scholarships the state um, will provide. That means there will be $11,000 left in the city of Newark not educating a student. So Newark will now have made $11,000 and lost a student. So when people talk about education funding, when people talk about How much New Jersey spends vis-a-vis other states? When they talk about how much school districts spend, when they talked about parity aid in the the days of of Abbott funding, all of those things we talked about per pupil funding. We said, you know what, Abbott districts should be spending, I don't know whether it was fifteen or twenty thousand dollars, like the I and J district spent. Parity funding is often, I mean, uh, per pupil funding is often the basis for a lot of those comparisons the per-pupil funding within those, abit- within those urban districts that might lose OSA students will actually go up because of the OSA. These districts will have more money per child to spend on hopefully improving themselves so they're not losing these students to OSA, and they can compete um, because they might offer better math and science programs. Maybe they have more technology. Maybe they have more resources, more after-school programs. They have things that they can offer that will compete with what the um, – public school districts outside of of that district or private schools um uh, it will it will in a way help them um and yet it's not going to cost the state any money because the state is recapturing that money and most of the time the almost all the time the OSA's cost less than half what the state is actually spending there the state is keeping enough money um and then it's actually coming not from the state it's coming from corporate Donations and the state is only losing the um, the tax credits that they're giving up, and so in a way the state is neutral. The districts are making money on a perpetual basis, and then these students now have a chance to get a better education and find the the education place that is most suited for them. So, so the I really think, and I think this this has come up. I think it's a win win for everybody.
2: So the money we'll use your number twenty thousand dollars. It costs twenty thousand dollars, and they use nine thousand for the scholarship, the 11000 does that remain with the district, or is that put in an escrow, or where is that money? Put?
1: That remains, the, the, the DOE will figure out, that will remain with the district. When the DOE gives the district whatever aid allocation they are supposed to get in a given year, it's based on the students they, they have. And so if a scholarship student leaves, then the state will, I mean, I guess like, you could say recapture um, some of that money to cover the cost of that scholarship, which the state's not paying for the scholarship but the state is getting is having a little less tax revenue because of the tax credit um in because of that scholarship so therefore it's making up for that loss in tax revenue so therefore the state should be held harmless
2: uh i'm going to move on to that but i'll hold it. I had one other follow up question but i want to move on to something else one of the other criti- there were two other criticisms and we'll deal with uh the first one is uh, 25% of the, the grant money would be going to students already enrolled in uh, a private school. So the feeling was if you're trying to help the kids in the failing school, these kids are not o- enrolled already. Uh, so it's not really helping those kids. So what's your reaction to that part of the bill and criticism?
1: I I think it's also um, somewhat misguided because I think we know, one, One of the reasons why I think it's hard to criticize that aspect of the bill is there is an income threshold in this bill. These scholarships will not be offered to students of families making $100,000 a year that are looking for just a way to not have to pay for the private school that they're going to go to anyway. Um, So we're looking at lower-income New Jerseyans, and we all in New Jersey, whatever income level we are, we know that this is a very expensive state. So we know that there are families, I believe there were some families last week that testified in front of the Senate Budget and Appropriations Committee, that they are doing everything they possibly can to to scrimp and save so that their son or daughter can go to a private school. And we also know that they're living, might, might be living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe they uh, are already going to that private school. Maybe they figured out some way to do it. But if there's one crisis that happens in their family, if there's one catastrophe that happens in their house, if there's one paycheck that happens to get missed because their parent was sick or for whatever reason, then them going to that private school might be in jeopardy. And where would they go? They would be forced to go to, because that's where they live, they'd be forced to go to one of these failing schools. And I don't think we want to see students that are stuck in the failing schools leave, but then at the same time, because we know we live in an economy that is difficult today, where we're seeing influx of all these kids from private schools to go back into the failing public school at the same time. We wouldn't want to see people passing each other on the way to and, and from these these um, failing schools. It's not, it's not helpful for the state. It's not helpful for the children. It's not helpful for the family. So I think this gives those students the opportunity, ensures those students continue to have the opportunities that their parents have worked very, very hard for. Um, and no one's taking advantage of the program. These, these are not upper-income students that are going to be going here and, and um, basically saving their parents money that they would have spent anyway. These are these are helping parents that are at the cusp of not being able to do this for their children, and we want to support that. Um,
2: the other criticism that he had brought up is that it really is not going to help even those kids who get the scholarship because the academic achievement for most kids who leave the take a grant like this and go to either a a private school or a charter school, Uh, uh, he said studies indicate that they have the same academic achievement. Uh, Do you believe that? Well, I
1: I do not believe that at all, but I don't even want to... There are studies that we can find that will say how it's a slam dunk that they're going to be getting a better education in these private schools. There are studies that we can find that will show that it's mix, and there are studies that we can find that may show something else, but um, even moving away from the studies, the DOE today, and I think this is one of the most important things that I could possibly say, um, is that we're moving to a situation where we're focused on children. We're focused on what's best for children. We're not looking at the education system as helping adults. We're not looking at the education system as, as maintaining institutions. We're looking at it as We want to do everything possible to focus on what's best for the children. And if you're thinking about what's best for children, giving them an option to go to the school that may be better suited for a variety of reasons to their families and their children's need, it's a no-brainer. When you start thinking about the adults and start thinking about the system, I can understand why some people are worried about this program, but we no longer – That's no longer our primary concern is what's best for adults. It may have been in the past, but it's not anymore. And when you're focused on what's best for children, it becomes a lot more easy to see why this makes sense. There may be students that there's a math and science program or technology program that might be more conducive to their needs. Maybe they're advanced and gifted in a particular area, like um, they want to be an engineer, and there might be a private school that might be able to provide what they need. We don't want to discourage that. We want to encourage things like that, because that's what's going to prepare them for the future workforce, prepare them for what they want to do in college. There might be a school that has an art program, while the public school um, doesn't have the art program that meets their needs. There might be a a school that has a certain program that um, has a foreign language that um, is not available in the public schools. We want to encourage students to find the school and the education and the opportunities that best meet their needs. And right now that isn't happening across the board. And so there's something about choice that let's give the parents and the children, let's trust them to figure out what's best for them so they're going to prepare for the future workforce, prepare for all that awaits them after they graduate high school in the best way possible.
2: Um, One of the other criticisms and focusing on children is uh, the criticism, I'm sure you've heard it, is that this only helps a few kids and the kids who are left, so to speak, uh, (coughs) will uh, have less resources. um, So it's not helping the majority of kids, and we should be working at helping the majority of kids in that school. The feeling is when you take these kids away, and there's a belief that some of these might be the smartest kids from the school district, um, that the rest will have uh, less resources, financial resources, provide the education so it will not improve their law and in fact it could make it worse. What would your uh, response be to that?
1: Well a couple of reactions. Uh, Number one I already mentioned about the funding issue that these districts will have more money to spend on the students they have left after these scholarship students leave than they do right now. And so saying that it will actually hurt the resources they have is an argument that that's not supported by the facts and and how the bill works. Um number 2 the these not even talking about resources in terms of money but resources in terms of time if the school figures out how to shift and focus their resources and gear them for maybe what they're lacking and gear them you know what if if a school in Trenton starts seeing that its students start leaving and going to a particular type of school that might have a certain type of program or certain type of resource, then maybe that that school might realize, you know what, we are not meeting our children's needs, and we can start shifting those resources, shifting our our uh, educators' focus. The principals and the teachers can work on on a new course or a new um, after-school program or, or something that will address that that new competition they now have. And and I know. Um, some people don't agree with the fact that the competition might actually help everybody, and but I, I think there is something to the fact that if right now people must go to the school that they live in, and people that don't have the income and resources to get out of that school are kind of stuck. I think if you change that dynamic and people aren't stuck anymore in certain schools, those schools might realize, you know what, we have to meet the needs of the parents in the community. We need to listen to what our um, families around our school's neighborhood are saying or else we could lose these kids. And and hopefully that increases the dialogue, increases the community involvement, increases reaching out um, and all of that will benefit, I, I hope it benefits the uh, public school students as well as the private school students. Because I, think, I think if this um, bill ever gets signed into law it will be, I said win-win before but I can't say that enough, I mean, it's meant to help everybody, and there's been a lot of misinformation out there that this is just undermining public schools, this is just um, a way to privatize all education. It's like no one is bailing on public schools. No one is is giving up on the good things that that some New Jersey schools are doing. But we know that some New Jersey schools aren't working, so we want to figure out how to help the students now in those schools at the same time as, as figuring out how to help all the students that are left over in those schools. Because um, there's, there's no one we're prioritizing more, prioritizing less, um, and then to say that that we shouldn't do something that will help a few students unless we can do something that helps all students, I mean, I think that's. I to say it bluntly, I think it's a silly argument. Um, I think, and again, just as I kind of quoted uh, Mayor Booker before, but I, but I think gonna, uh, Reverend Jackson quote, said quote that, Reverend Jackson. Yes, Reverend Jackson has said it well. I mean, would somebody have told Harriet Tubman if she couldn't? Save all the slaves at once in the Underground Railroad. Should she have saved none of them? I mean, I think that's kind of silly. Um, and yeah, you knew exactly where I was going with that. Well, right? I, I used it
2: last that, week. That, <laughs> that
1: stuck with me quite well. But I mean, I think I think it's a legitimate argument. I mean, there. Look at all of the things that we throw at our public schools. We don't know what works, but we know that some may work, and some. I think you can make a very good argument that. Um, there are some things in the federal. Elementary Secretary Education Act. It's gone by different names. Now it's No Child Left Behind. If it gets reauthorized, it might be something new. But but there are aspects of that over the years that I'm sure have helped certain schools with Title I monies and, and other parts of that uh, of that law. But there are probably parts that have not done enough in certain urban school districts. Then I'm sure you could look at other things the state of New Jersey has done, such as our charter school law, such as um, our interdistrict public school choice pilot program that just recently became permanent and, and is going to um, expand to new districts soon. I'm sure those things have helped some students. I'm sure uh, I, I know that that the aid that came from the Abbott v. Burke decision and, and um, the the parity that happened between what the INJ districts were spending and what the uh, urban districts in that decision were spending. That definitely helps some students. I, preschool, I'm sure, has helped many, many students. There's research that shows some of the things that we've done have worked, but we also know some of the things that we've done have not. So are we supposed to say we shouldn't have done preschool because it didn't fix everything? Are we supposed to say we shouldn't have done Abbott because it didn't fix all the schools? Are we supposed to say that we shouldn't have done um, any Title I money ever because it hasn't helped everybody and hasn't fixed it? No. I mean, there's there's – things that it's a very difficult and complicated problem that we have in, in educating all students, not just um, the easier-to-educate ones. And so we need to try everything we can to fix it because we owe the students in New Jersey that are right now not getting that education the efforts. Uh, and we, we owe them that we're going to do everything we can.
2: Uh, I'm going to move on to the Opportunity Scholarship Board, but I see we, have, we do have a question from a caller out. Uh, area code 314, which I don't know. With cell phones, I'm not really sure. The last four digits are 4644, so I'm not going to know your name. I'm going to be calling you in a couple of seconds. Uh, hi, you're on the air.
0: Oh, thank you very much. How are you guys doing? I'm calling from the Midwest, matter of fact, Missouri. How, really? really, <laughs> I really yeah, I really appreciate your conversation. And, you know, I have worked in you know uh, urban schools for quite some time trying to make changes uh, particularly African American schools and I hear you talking about the scholarship bill and they try to do the same thing here in the St. Louis area and some of the organizations that's heavily in, supported by the teachers union not only the state teachers union but also even uh, your national teachers union like the AFT and NEA uh, NAACP, for instance, came out against these programs. Uh, I they're doing in New
2: doing. Jersey, too. So, uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're not alone out there in Missouri. <laughs> yeah, they will come against these programs basically because they are supported by those unions. And, you know, it's a funny thing. Uh, the parents, you know, a school district should, what that school district, the direction that that school district goes should be based on the local concerns not the state and surely not the federal government. And what I see is that when you have parents who do come out and make efforts to change things, what happens is that these school uh these school teachers unions, especially at the national level, make donations to the state legislatures and even your federal legislators and they're not there to champion the cause of the parents. They're there to champion the cause of those who are putting money in their pockets, and that's totally wrong. And I agree with the gentleman. Public schools are needed, but there's a lot more needed than them. And in today's global workforce, today's global markets, no one entity will be able to provide a student with everything that he or she needs in order to compete in that market, and giving the parents the ability to, you know, make these choices is excellent. You know, if you impose so where african American supporter you? of
2: this uh, New Jersey version of this? Oh, government?
0: absolutely. Absolutely, okay. I'm a supporter hey,
2: may uh, I'm going to uh, put you... I'm going to ask you... What was your name? I'm sorry, I didn't get you. you
0: my name Will? is Pianchi. Oh,
2: okay. Pianchi. And you're from P-I-A-N-K-I. T-I-A-N-K-I. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put you on... Hold. Do you have any question for Chris specifically on how this yeah, works? Yeah, Chris,
0: can you explain to me how how does it actually work? I wondered, is this the type of bill that if a business decide to uh sponsor a child that uh that amount of that sponsorship can be uh, deducted from their state taxes? Yeah. Uh, it, I'm going
2: to put uh, I'm going to put you on hold, but you can still hang on uh hold on and listen, okay, to Chris's answer.
0: Yes, that is
1: that is how it works. Um what happens is a business will donate to a scholarship organization, a nonprofit scholarship organization a certain amount of funds and then there will be 100% tax credit for however much they donate um from what they owe the state of New Jersey um in business taxes and the the idea is that that will then encourage these donations um and so that the businesses Again, that win-win where there is now money to pay for these scholarships. There's now students that are getting a better education that ultimately may go back and work for that business someday. And that business is um, not necessarily uh, getting off of anything. I mean, they're spending that money, whether it's going to the state of New Jersey or whether it's going to these uh, scholarship organizations, business is not going to get a break. They're actually just now, I guess, guiding their taxes to this very worthwhile endeavor. Um, and at the same time, the state of New Jersey is held revenue neutral because they're no longer going to be spending state aid in the same uh, to the same extent as they were in the past to the districts where the students left. Um, so, again, that, that state wins, business wins, um, student wins, and the New Jersey taxpayers are not basically – spending any money on this program because the state is held neutral.
2: Um get into Pianchi, we want to know how it works. There's a the, the bill creates an Opportunity Scholarship Board which uh, oversees the this program. How do you envision I know that we still have to flesh that out a little bit, but how does that the, the concept work?
1: Uh can you elaborate a little more on that question?
2: The Opportunity Scholarship Board that's supposed to oversee where the governor appoints someone and then the other two were with the advice and consent of the Senate and um Senate President and the Assembly Speaker. Um, do they look at and they create regional boards? I, I wasn't really sure how that worked out in terms of do they help
1: select, set the criteria for who's selected as a student? Yeah, the, the board's. Uh, the, the one board will then have a scholarship organization that they choose in each of the regions of the state—north, south, central—and um, the scholarship organizations can, at most, use um, a, a, can use a small portion of these tax credits to sort of fund their operations to make sure that the taxes, that the, the scholarships are going to the schools that um, they're supposed to go to, that the residents of the neighborhoods where there are failing schools are going to know all about um, the opportunities they now have uh, just to make sure the program is implemented as efficiently and effectively as possible. Um, That's why we're the program will, will spread out to the whole state, not just be focused in one place. That's why you have sort of oversight by one board looking at these these three different organizations. Um and obviously I'm sure they'll be working together. There's um there's some aspects of the bill to sort of make sure that the funds are used as efficiently as possible. But sort of that's that's the, the the gist. It must be uh it must be non profit five hundred one C tax exempt organizations. Um and with that comes um some degree of of oversight. Um, There's a few other oversight mechanisms in the bill, but, um, I mean, really, if if everything's done right, you will never hear about these organizations, and, and basically there'll be money coming from businesses that will fund these scholarships that will go right out to the families that most need them, and then those families will be in schools that will be better educating them, and then we'll be better for it. So, I mean, I think we just needed some... Sort of this the state, if this is done, just needs some sort of mechanism to um implement it as efficiently and effectively as possible, and that's what these um scholarship organizations and board will do so
2: are these um they're not uh, for the most part paid there are a lot of volunteers on this, or
1: is this a uh, it be a new non profit used by i could the fund- see it work in a variety of ways i i to say that I know exactly how it will work I think um I don't think anybody does right now, but they're the bill will make sure that nothing will um, be improper. Um, there are some safeguards in there. And I don't think anybody can be become rich off of um, the administrative expenses that, that this, this board and these cost organizations will have. I think there are ways, just again, to, to make sure that the program is implemented as well as possible. Uh,
2: my understanding is that there is a – if there's too many applicants for a school, they have to a uh, private school say in Newark. Um, that they have to go through a lottery process. If, yes, if they have a hundred seats available, or <coughs> excuse me, and they have a hundred and twenty. They just do a lottery. Is that my? Is that my
1: yes, that is, that is similar. It's very similar to what happens in charter schools, um, where charter schools, if they're in neighborhoods where there are failing schools. Everybody's trying to get to the charter school um, because for whatever reason, again, allowing choice to work, these choices work better for the parents than the school that they are otherwise stuck in right now. And so um, many charters have lotteries because they have more people than than they could accept apply, and and I would imagine this might be the case with this bill because um, if students are in schools that aren't working for them, they're going to find another option that does work for them.
2: Uh, I was asked, uh, and maybe you can clarify this, they also have the option of using this money towards another public school if they so choose. Yes. Is that correct? That, but that other public school would have to say, uh, the board would have to say, we're accepting students, we have space, and we're accepting Yes, both
1: students. actually private schools and public schools. No one will ever be forced to accept this, um, this scholarship. Maybe a school board might choose to, because if they realize in the way they fund their schools that they've already paid for um, overhead expenses, that the, they have the teacher, they've got the classroom, they've got the utilities paid for, and there are, I don't know, a couple extra seats in that class, they might re- realize that it's worthwhile to open it up to OSA students in the district next door, or, or OSA students anywhere. Um might be right for the students to give them the opportunity. Uh, maybe if they if they're proud of the great programs that that public school has, and we have a lot of great public school programs throughout the state, there's no reason why they might not want to open it up to other students. And it actually could make money for their school district, such as other um, interdistrict choice has been looked at that way and, and has been utilized that way by some school districts. Um, so it would be a yeah, private the school district, the district that
2: has space and says we'll we'll take five students and we don't really need to hire any new staff, we have the space.
1: Yeah, and they could they could realize some sort of um, net savings to the, their, their property taxpayers of their district and actually help out um, scholarship students in a, in a town next door where schools might be struggling or not doing as well as um, their towns are. So it's, um, it's a possibility. I have no idea if districts will take advantage of it, um, just like we don't know why only – I think 15 or 16 counties took advantage of the inter-district po- uh, choice pilot program, one of the pilots, but um, we've now had 72 apply now. I don't know why it wasn't more than 72. I don't know why some of those did. I mean, it, yeah, districts have lots of uh, financial and other reasons as to why this would be a good or a bad idea for them, but, but it's a possibility, and we wouldn't want to exclude that possibility, which is why we allowed it in the bill. But, yeah, no district will be ever forced to um, – to take scholarship students and no private school will ever too. I mean if the, the the one thing about this and some people have criticized, oh that that money's not enough for um some private schools to take their take students. It, it might not cover the tuition for some of our um prep um and more um, more I guess uh, expensive private schools in the state, but if one of those private schools wants to participate and again thinks that that they already paid for the overhead, they've already covered their fixed costs, and they think they can make money and, and actually help students um, by opening a few seats up, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Um. And But they would have to take that scholarship would be payment in full. Um, no student that has a scholarship will be asked to subsidize that with a, a couple extra thousand dollars that their um, their family will have to find. I mean, the, the, the scholarship will be payment in full for whatever school wants to accept them. That might so be enough for some schools. It might not be.
2: That's a... Uh a good point for you to be making i guess because i think that the assumption is that if the tuition's fifteen thousand and they only have ten the parents don't have to put out or parents or guardians don't have to put up the extra five this is to pay for it in, in full so uh, yes, well, well some of the private schools i understand do have scholarships so
1: yes, yeah, some uh, of them have scholarships and might figure out maybe how these these scholarships and the scholarships they have maybe they can combine to cover the cost and they could use this, and, and I'm sure not all of the um, sort of elite private schools that we, we're blessed to have in New Jersey. I mean, it's a good thing having um, some of the elite resource-heavy uh, schools that we have. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, it's a good thing that they're another choice for, for certain students that can afford them, and if some of them want to open it up to students that might not traditionally be able to afford them but because of this scholarship can, then that would be great.
2: Um I have a couple other points Uh, we're getting towards the end.
1: Uh,
2: One, there's an interesting clause with special education students that some people have criticized because it takes some of the burden off. But if a a student has a a special ed student, has an IEP in the public school and is in that failing district, if they want to go to uh, use this voucher, they have to waive uh, some of that. Is my understanding correct? Well, the the, private the school call schools
1: waiver, I also think, is somewhat incorrect. They would have to acknowledge that private schools, because this doesn't change anything, and that's why waiving something that they actually didn't have anyway is is an incorrect way to say it as waiver. But I think some people have said it's a waiver because they want to get um, get more attention to the issue. I think right now there are parents that I'm sure are looking at choices for their students, And some of those choices don't have to um, meet all of the special ed requirements that traditional public schools do. And they might look at their options. They might weigh their options. They might realize in the best interest of the child, it might be that private school that might not have to do all of the special ed programs and and, uh, compliance that the public school has to do. They might realize that there's no place that could be better for my son or daughter than that that public school and and all the special ed resources that they will provide that's something that a parent has currently has the choice to make private schools currently don't have to um... do everything that a public school has to do regarding special ed we're not changing that in this bill there's nothing being proposed to change that it's that's a fact of life but we just want to make sure it's actually i think the opposite of how some people look at this and or we're asking people to give up their rights we're actually informing people of their rights it's actually I think um, a benefit to parents that that clause is in the bill because otherwise parents actually might um, jump at this program and not realize that you know what there are some times where public schools might be the best setting for their students because of their special education needs or because of any other needs I mean there are no one saying again I've said this before no one's saying that, that this bill will magically cure all and and. Um, this is a silver bullet that will solve all education problems in the state of New Jersey. But for many, many students, this bill will give them the opportunity that they so desperately need to get the opportunities that that they've been lacking um, in college, in the workforce, um, just to get the education that they, they should have anyway. Um, so, so yeah, I I think that's – thank you for bringing that up, Ray. I think it's a very good thing to, to clarify because – it purely is a clarification and it's purely making sure parents know what their rights are and knowing um, what private schools have to do and what public schools have to do. Um, I think informing people of what their options are is only a good thing. We're not taking away anybody's option. If they realize that the school might not meet all of their son or daughter's special ed needs, then it might not be the best choice for them, but it might be the best choice for somebody else.
2: Um, one final question. What do you think will happen with the bill? Do you think uh, it will pass?
1: Well, I – Because I know you're pretty good at judging these things. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want to speculate on that because ultimately it's whatever the governor thinks is best, and um, I hope that the governor has the opportunity at some point to have a chance to sign a bill that will increase the choices for students out there. But I don't want to um, speculate on if there's more amendments to the bill, if the bill's going to get to the governor's desk in the exact form that, that uh, he wants, the, the governor, um, working with the legislature. I, I hope that he has the opportunity to sign a bill that will expand choice um, in the way that, that he wants. And um, that would be a good thing for the students in New Jersey. That would be a great day in the history of the state of New Jersey if that ever happens. But um but yeah, I, I hope it is. We're 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 seeing some momentum with this bill. Um, uh, we're seeing many people in the legislature um, from all around the legislature, suburban, urban, Democrat, Republican. Um,
2: i gonna have to All, all getting behind to... this
1: bill, and and hopefully something gets to the governor's desk that will be what he wants.
2: We have only a few seconds left, uh, Chris. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, I hope to have you thank on thank again. Thank you, Brent. And I'd like to thank everyone for listening. And that brings us to the end of New Jersey's education forum. I hope you join me the next show will be uh, Friday, February eleventh, and the issue will be charter schools. Something that Chris is familiar with. And thank <laughs> you and uh goodbye.
1: Thank you, Ray.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the Bride and Groom?